Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast, supported by Blue Collar Street Food. I've been joined by Jonathan Lowe. How are you doing, Jonathan? Hi, yes. All good, thank you. I've also been joined by Alex Everson. Hi, Alex. Hello, Paul. What is an upbeat kind of catch-up midweek chat with uh, Berkshire Live, Jonathan Lowe, and we're going to be talking about the game at the weekend, the 3-0 win over Sheffield Wednesday, having a look forward, maybe a chat about the injuries and some other situations that have been happening with Redden Football Club. So, Jonathan, I've got to say, a very convincing win at the weekend. Yes, very much so. I think it was um, probably the most convincing win of the season. I know there's probably a few which can rival that, but... Um... Yeah, they made it uh, very straightforward. Sheffield Wednesday were, were very poor as well, but uh, no fair play to Reading. They put in a very good performance pretty much the whole 90 minutes, I'd say. Maybe maybe the Wednesday were on top of the first sort of 10, 15 minutes or so, but certainly once they, they were down to 10 men, um, the Owls and Elise, they got that penalty. It settled in nerves, I think, and um, deserved he got to, uh, a couple of more goals in the second half. And uh, yeah, certainly a, a 3-0 was a very accurate reflection i think of how the game went and um yeah very deserved three points for reading we're seeing the impact of players coming back and being fresh and george puskas has really sown that in the last couple of games hasn't he really really kind of transformed our attacking setup almost yes yeah i think very much so i think uh, i think certainly that that blackburn game when he when he started uh, last tuesday that was probably his the best i've seen him um yeah, pretty much a, a near 90 minute excellent display really from him um, certainly in the first half I thought he was, he was really unplayable and um, yeah it was another decent shift on, on Saturday he obviously won the penalty got into some other sort of good situations as well and, and combining well with, with Lucas Shaw. and I think you know we've all been saying really for the last you know year and a half really um, I mean it's the same with Sam Border really if you play another striker with them then they might be actually alright um, if you keep playing them as lone strikers uh, it's not their style, it's not their way, and you won't see the best out of them. Whereas if you play someone alongside them, ideally Lucas Shao, uh, you'll get the best out of them, and that's what we're seeing. And um, yeah, long may it continue with Puskas. Obviously, he hasn't had too much game time this season, but uh, with, uh, what is it, 11 games left now, there's a big chance for him to really make an impact and chip in with, the, with a few uh, goals at least and, and, and assists and uh, be a really kind of key cog in the, in the final run-in. Yeah, I mean, I listened to the podcast second tier the other day, and they were talking about a moment in the second half involving George Puskas when it's going to call him Maldini there. Tom McIntyre <laughs> should have crossed the ball to him, and Puskas absolutely screams at him that he doesn't pass, and that is what you want to see from a striker, isn't it, Alex? That complete hunger to score goals. It's the same kind of hunger that we all praise Lucas Shaw for when he comes off the field and he looks upset that he's he's been taken off despite the fact he's scored or had a good game or got an assist. He, he looks disappointed when he comes off and everybody is delighted with Zhao when he has that kind of hunger, I guess. Um, so, you know, to see it from see it from another striker in the team, it's 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 great to see someone who's, you know, willing to basically have a bit of a moan and a whinge about the fact that they're not getting the ball where they want it um, to be able to put it in the back of a net. Yeah, totally. And the other striker on the pitch, obviously, Lucas Jow has now got himself back into form with a goal. A lovely finish there, John, wasn't it? You've got to think that he needs a goal like that. And we talked about that on the podcast last week, that he doesn't just need a tap in. He needs a clever finish to get him rolling again. Yeah, yeah, it was a very nice finish. I think 
at maybe the goalkeeper might have done a bit better. It seemed like quite a, a central shot in the end, but no, he he, uh, he um, opened his body up well and, and got a good clean strike on it. And um, uh, I think he had a couple of other opportunities as well, you know, got into good position. So yeah, I think his, his form was back. He's, he's hungry to do well. Um, obviously, I think that the clear week this week will, will benefit him, um, probably most of all out of all the players, really. And um, yeah, if he can uh, keep up his form, uh, he's got 21 now for, for the season. So uh, that's a, a great return. Hopefully he can maybe get to 25 and, and who knows, maybe even 30 if we're, um, if we're not being uh, too, uh, um, asking too much. But um, yeah, he, he is, uh, I think, thriving with, with having Puskas alongside him as well. It's, takes a bit of weight off his shoulders and we're, we're seeing the rewards. Yes, and then there's the great Alex, who's the best striker in the league. But if we have one in Lucas Joe and he stays fit and he gets 30 goals, he's got to be one of the best strikers in this century for Reading, hasn't he? He'd be up there with some of the best ones we've seen in the championship playing for us. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of names, obviously, that stand out. Kitson, Doyle, um, Lafondra, Roberts. But yeah, if, if Zhao was to get 25 in the season... Um, and take us to the playoffs, it's it's difficult to kind of argue really too much that he's got to be top two, maybe top one. It's probably down to personal opinion, but um, yeah, his name's got to be up there with the, you know, with the kind of legends of the club, really, in uh, in Kitson and and Doyle, if, if we end up getting promoted this season. It's kind of ironic that Sheffield Wednesday sold him. And at the time, they thought it was an absolutely fantastic deal. And they're in a miserable state of a club at the moment. I mean, they've got an owner who's slightly crazy, um, shall we say. Um, There are some similarities between that and Reading. But we do have a little bit more sanity, I think, going forward, John. And if we don't go up this season, we're surely going to have to stay with this manager and build it. Because if we don't go up, I feel we're heading completely in the right direction. Hopefully, yes. I mean, the thing is, we don't really know with these owners. Uh, you don't really know with this chief exec because we haven't even spoken to him. He hasn't come out in public to, to say anything. So um, you'd like to think, certainly, Valko Banovic has uh, shown plenty of signs this season why he is the right man to take the club forward. Um, clearly, there's been a few blips this season, but they've they've come back strongly from them and, and you know, fair play to them. He's really kind of uh, ensured they've they've learned from every single game and and even going back to those um that brilliant run at the start of the season when they went first eight games unbeaten um they obviously had that blip afterwards but came back strongly and even uh when it was in, in february time where, where they sort of picked up a few poor results uh but again they've come back strongly so um yes i think he, he is the the right man to be at the helm um in terms of the playing squad i think that there probably will be quite a few changes over the summer so it'll be Interesting to see what um, what Pranovic's contacts are like in the transfer market. In terms of budget, who knows? But I, I don't think there'll be too much of uh, splashing the cash and everything. But um, yeah, the fact that Reading, yeah, depending on which division they're in, obviously, uh, you've always got to caveat everything with that this summer. But um, yeah, certainly I think uh, Pranovic is, is the right man to, to take Reading forward. And, and hopefully they give him... Uh, the opportunity to build on the, the great platform that he's built over the past um, seven, eight months. Yeah, he's done a fantastic job, and especially with the young players. One player that we won't be seeing next season, in all probability, Alex, is Omar Richards. How tough is he going to be replaced? Uh, it, I guess it 
depends on what division we're in, as Jonathan said. I think even um, in the championship is going to be hard, though. Isn't yeah, it? Sure. I think it's going to be difficult. Uh, if even if we're in the championship, as you say, it's it's going to be tough to replace him. We don't have a ready-made backup at the club at the moment. Um, the closest we probably have is McIntyre, but even that, even McIntyre, I think he's he's proving himself to be useful in multiple positions and is he really going to transfer his skills to be a permanent left back I, I don't think so personally um which means we probably have to go out and look for a left back in summer it's going to be a tough one i imagine to replace him he's got a lot of lot of positive abilities to him decent going forward um good positional awareness on the field and to replace him when he's moving to somewhere like Bayern munich it's He's got big shoes. Whoever comes in is going to have big shoes to fill and high expectations. Um, so whoever comes in is going to have a tough, tough role next season, I would imagine. Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah. Go Sorry, on. I just going to budge in. I was just looking at that one. I mean, uh, you know, who who thought that Tom Holmes was going to play so many games at right back for Reading this season? Uh, I'm not saying you know the, the, the. I mean, it's a similar scenario. Um, you know, if Tom McIntyre was going to be the left back for Reading going forward next season. Would fans be too unhappy at it? I think there's a slight I think there's a slight difference with it. Just purely because with Holmes playing right back this season, it's always been a case of him being the, I guess, backup or understudy to Yeardum. Um and Yeardum has always been considered first choice. Even at the start of the season, Yeardum was first choice before his injury. If we went into next season without a recognised left back, I think it would cause, it, it would be some cause for concern, even if McIntyre can play there. Um, it would be, yeah, disconcerting, I think, just on the basis of we don't have a specialist left back who's played there and played their trade and so on and so forth. Uh, I think it would be a problem. Uh, I, I don't think I would be too happy to see McIntyre lined up at left back at the first game of next season, whether we were Premiership or, or, or Premier League or Championship. One thing I will say about McIntyre is incredibly flexible. As we've seen in the QPR game, playing in the midfield when he comes on a substitute away, a lovely flick for Elise to score the goal. And again, on Saturday, is a, in that second goal, is a beautiful flick from him, isn't there, John? I mean, I'm just really hoping that he signs that new contract because he, there was a worry after that Preston match much earlier in the season when he had, you know, really poor game. Let's not, you know, pretend he was good. But since that game, he seems to have really grown in confidence in himself to show his ability on the pitch. And now when he plays, I do not have any consideration about him having a poor performance. He's just going to be a championship player. Yeah, certainly. I think, um, you know, he's, he's always shown that. I mean, he's had a few poor games uh, this season and maybe previously. But, um, you know, when he's on his game, he, he's got everything. He's, he's got uh, two good feet, really. He's, he's good in the air. He's got a, a good positional awareness. Um, so he, and like you say, he's very versatile and that's a great asset to have um, at a, you know, any level, really. But uh, certainly in championship, when there's, uh, you've got so many games, uh, thick and fast every week, and and you've got players who can um, you know switch positions seamlessly, uh, and it won't affect the performance of the team. And um, yeah, I've, I've I've always liked him as a, as a player. He's he's very intelligent. I think on and off the field, he's a good character and personality to have around. And um, you know, there was obviously always that doubt of whether he would be able to kind of make the step up to senior level, especially with Liam Moore and Michael Morrison. Uh, doing so well certainly at the start of the season, but he's he's managed to you know just stay patient, 
persevere and, and has been rewarded with some really great performances like catching the space and, and looking at us now we're talking about him uh, as, as a really crucial player for Reading going forward yeah <laughs> I think uh, yeah. One, one thing with Tom McIntyre that has maybe gone a little bit unnoticed is well maybe perhaps not unnoticed but um not yet mentioned is how similar his uh positional utility-ness has been to someone like phil neville from that man united team in the early 2000s uh phil neville could play you know left back right back center back center midfield you know probably on the wing in an emergency was he as good as any of the players he was replacing probably not but he was still very, very good in all those positions to the point where he could fill in and, and not look out of place. Um, and I think McIntyre is is kind of proving that at Reading as well, is that he's a very good technical footballer um, and he's able to fill in in, you know, multiple positions and not look out of place and not look like he's, you know, there for an emergency, essentially, which is, uh, yeah, it's great to see. And I think it really pays pays a lot of tribute to the academy and, and kind of the coaching, which has must have gone on to to get you know both McIntyre and Holmes, as we've seen him playing right back and centre back this season. Uh, the coaching at the academy must have you know really given them a lot of uh, a lot of technical ability and a lot of skill over the last what four, five, six, seven years when they've um, been coming through the ranks. Yeah, when I look at Tom McIntyre, I said this probably last year, he does remind me of A.D. Williams when I used to go and watch him play in the 80s. He's got that similar kind of confidence, which is now developing. He looks similar on the ball and he could play further in the midfield. I just really, he excites me as a fan to watch him because he's one of us. And I know you say that the people want to play out there, but I, I love watching him play. Who do you think would like that compliment more, Tom McIntyre or Eddie Williams? Both. I've spoken to Eddie about this, and I think you know, he talked about it, I think, in the podcast as well. And I think they both love it because they're both very good players. I think Tom McIntyre will probably go on to do the thing that Eddie, unfortunately, didn't get the opportunity and play in the Premier League at some point. Maybe not for us, maybe for a different team. What do you think, John? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see why not. He's still very young. I think he's 22, I think. Yeah, I think or, so. Or 21. Um, so, yeah, he's got plenty of years ahead of him, and I don't see why not on his current trajectory. Um, yeah, he, he's got all the attributes for it. Um, the only thing is I, I don't I don't like these terms or, or I don't know how player, if a player would like being called a utility player uh you yeah. know yes it is great being versatile and I'm, and I'm sure it's great to be playing in any positions but i guess when you're when you're looking for a player you identify a position don't you and um uh, hopefully that, that that doesn't hold him back i I'm, i don't think it will uh, obviously you know it's a great string to his bow but um you know i think he'll want to be known as a great uh center back uh or even midfielder rather than just a utility player who is great and, and is adaptable and can fit in anywhere I suppose another example player from Manchester United is John O'Shea. He played all over the place, didn't he? And he is that ultimate one. If he ends up with as many medals as John O'Shea, he'd be very, very happy. I'm pretty sure on that. So we see as well. Yeah, Kevin Gilban. Yeah, he was a very uh, yeah. I always used to joke with my mates about how versatile he was. <laughs> yeah, there was a few there, wasn't there? There was a few. It's amazing how many. Uh, Premier League titles, some of the players won that. Yeah. God, yeah. Let's not get into Manchester United well. But if we look at uh, where we are in the table, we're fifth. We had their awful defeat at Wickham when I think everything really went wrong in that game for us, including 
the selection didn't really work out for Panovic. I think maybe he's learned from that, John. What do you think from talking to him over the last kind of two or three weeks since that game? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, I asked him about the game, that game actually after the uh, the weekend win over Sheffield Wednesday, and he said, you know, that they had uh, learned some big lessons from it, and um, you know, I guess both in terms of kind of personnel and tactics, and um, you know, obviously it's they've they've, they've completely shored up at the back three successive clean sheets, and um, they, they look a completely different unit, and I think maybe that was actually probably quite a good thing that they they had that Wigan performance. Because it gave them a reality check that uh, to say that you know they really need to back up their ideas if they really want to be serious promotion candidates, and that's exactly what they've done. Um, you know, the three subsequent games games weren't necessarily uh, against high quality opponents, but uh, you can only play what's uh, in front of you, and and they put in very accomplished displays. So um, I think from from that respect, um, yes, it, it was a very low point in the season, but they've you know, certainly come back. Yes. Strongly the side at the start of the season, yeah, eight game unbeaten run. Whether that's the case, I'm not sure. I'm probably at the similar level. Um, maybe it was all the novelty factor at the beginning, but uh, they're certainly fantastic uh, on those first couple of weeks or so. Um, but no, they're coming really strongly and hopefully coming really strong at the right time as well. Yeah, we've now got a bit of there, Alex. Quite amazing because considering how poor we were defensively for the last few years, and even in the last few matches, Raphael's hardly had anything to do. No, uh, we commented it uh, about it after the game on Saturday, and I don't think Raphael had a save to make against Sheffield Wednesday, um, and the game before against Blackburn, maybe one from uh, from a free kick, but apart from that really, really very few um, chances that he's actually having to do anything for, which it's kind of perfect, really. Um, you you know, if you're not conceding any chances, you're just not going to concede many goals. Um, and that's means that realistically, when we're going into those games like Rotherham and Blackburn and we, we're getting one goal, yes, we're not creating a huge amount from open play. But if we're not conceding many chances either, we can get one goal and still pick up three points. And that's, you know, critical this time of the season. Yeah, now we're going to move into the really big period of the season. All the bits before are obviously important as well, but I feel in the next three matches we have to pick up big points, John, because we have got Nottingham Forest on Saturday, then Birmingham, and then QPR also picking up a bit of form. What do you think would be the realistic return from those three matches? Oh, that's, yeah, that's a tough one. I, I, so I think probably the Forest game is probably the, going to be the most difficult out of the three. Um, but then again, what do I know? Um, I think probably. Uh, five, six points out of, those, out of the nine on offer, I think. Um, you know, it, it is a big week, but, um, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world if they drop a couple of points, I don't think. You know, this will be uh, eight games to go after the international break. Um, so, yeah, I think, um, I mean, ideally, at least two wins out of three, but um, if not, at least kind of, yeah, five, five six points. What are you going to say, Alex? Um, I think we'll get seven. Um, I'm not sure which we'll draw against, but I, I can't see us beating both QPR and Forest. QPR are such a weird team. They they go on such strange runs. I think they've gone on a run of, uh one point they've gone on a run of nine or 10 this season without a win. And then they went on a run where they lost one game in eight or nine um, and won the, other set, uh, won the other eight games. 
during that run. So it's it, they're such a strange team, QPR. Um, I think they'll that they'll prove to be quite a tough uh, tough opponent, especially kind of you know given their um, uh, given their kind of run of form at the start of this year. Uh, yeah, so I'll go with seven points. Um, I think we'll beat Birmingham. I don't really think there are any great shakes, to be honest. I think they'll probably end up staying up purely just because of the fact that Sheffield Wednesday are, you know, pretty awful and Wickham are just just, just terrible <laughs> as well. So I think Birmingham are going to be kind of similar to where we've been for the last few years and just stay up just because there's teams worse than them rather than them actually being any good. Um, so it'd be very disappointing not to beat them. I'm going to go for six points and I'm going to say that we're going to lose to Birmingham because that would be so Reading. Um, I just uh, feel it because I can't see us getting six consecutive wins. I just can't. If we do, I love the fact if we do do that, but you're coming up against a very experienced manager at Forest. Birmingham, they can always do something. They haven't lost all their games this season. And QPR just signed Charlie Austin and he's a major threat against any uh, team. And they seem to have picked up a little bit QPR, but we will see how that all ends up. Thanks for joining us. And we will be back on Friday, I think, with a pre-match preview of the game against Nottingham Forest. So cheers for listening. And uh, let's hope you're all enjoying the week off. No midweek match, eh? Cheers.